Look at that. What a beautiful sight. Our very own Sebastian Salazar and Rafael Salazar, congratulations. Our very own Rafael Salazar as well. Billy Salazar and Seb Salazar on the birth of their beautiful baby boy. Obviously, Sebi Salazar is not here with us, pero el jugador de franquicia, yeah. our big gun, Mao Pedrosa. Mao, look at that. I'm just beautiful. glad that we have welcomed to the world a new Americanista. Football Rafael. Americanista. No, 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 no. Don't put that. America type. seguidor. Don't, no le pongas ese mal. <laughs> That was for Seb. That was be- long. That was long, but that so, was good. That was strong. I mean, solid. They came into the hospital this morning. Yeah. And we were having bets in the production room about yes. when about little Rafa Salazar. We still didn't know he was going to be called Rafael. We had our bets going as well. I uh, I had Willow in my my pick'em. Well, I don't I don't think it's. First of all, congrats to the to the family. I don't think it's a coincidence that the baby was born almost at the same time at the start of the show. I don't think that's a coincidence. Congrats yeah. to the Salazar family. Yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, I want to start, first of all, how do you like my outfit? I do like how your do you outfit. Like, so that's did a co- you ever expect that your co-host was going to wear your very so, own T-shirt? Okay, so explain this. Uh, One Two Threads, which does unbelievable gear here in Los Angeles. It's a collector's edition. That is a 2005 MVP edition. The only edition of a double winning team for the Galaxy in their history. Oh, man. Uh, that is a, yeah, there's only, that I know of, two of them. Yeah. And uh, my wife has one. Yeah. And Mal Pedrosa has the other. Who do you love more? On what? <laughs> All right. Let's get things started. We'll touch on uh, <laughs> Liga MX, of course. We're going to have an interview with uh, Major League Soccer 2022 MVP. The season starts this weekend. Get paid, honey. On Thursday. But uh, let's get started with Ernie Stewart and an interview that was uh, published by Yahoo Sports. In that interview, Ernie Stewart touching on different subjects, mainly talking about his time at U.S. soccer and the things hurt that he believes need to be done in order to, quote unquote, take the next step. He's no longer in charge, but I think a lot of things that are worth our time touching on. What was the biggest takeaway from this interview for you? My biggest takeaway was that Ernie Stewart said a lot without saying anything, okay? A lot about nothing, if you will. He talked about how he was in charge of bringing Greg Berhalter in. He spoke about how it wasn't his job on picking the next coach. That would have been Brian McBride. He spoke about the DNA, the style of play, and how he thought they, the U.S. national national team, excuse me, the U.S. men's national team had a very good World Cup. Yeah. Which I don't agree with. He even went as far as to say, if you take out the scoreline against the yeah, Netherlands. Yeah, that was a great quote. Yeah, I love it. It was good. <laughs> Where was, was it good? The best player on that day for your team. If you consider goals, then was we had a Matt good Turner. Goal. Matt Turner was the best player on your team that day. And then you can go down the list of, of things when he talks about the pyramid and he never mentions pro rail, et cetera, et cetera. I'll leave you with this, okay? When we think about Ernie Stewart and his legacy as a sporting director, there are a few things you will remember. You will remember he was in charge of bringing Greg Berhalter in, mm-hmm. and you will remember how Greg Berhalter left. You will remember Ernie Stewart 
was the one catering to phone calls with overbearing helicopter parents. You will remember that. His role in the Giovanni Reyna, Daniel Reyna, Claudio Reyna, and the Berhalters and that saga with U.S. soccer. That's what you will remember of Ernie Stewart. You will also remember he decided to leave U.S. soccer, leave this team for PSV. That is what you will remember yeah. of Ernie Stewart in his role as a sporting director. In fairness to the report, he was asked about the Greg Berhalter Reina family situation. He said he was not able to comment, but he was asked now. Um, pending investigation, yeah. Exactly, yeah. pending investigation. My biggest takeaway, and I wanted to talk to you about this, and I, and I talked to you a little bit uh, before we came on the air, but I didn't want to talk a lot because I wanted I want to have, at least I want to ask you this. He talked about the new player, right? And it was a little bit about the same thing that Greg Berhalter had to say had to say about uh, after the loss against the Netherlands, right? We do not have a Memphis Depay. And I believe Ernie Stewart was also leading us into that we need a new player, not when he's 15 or 16, when they're even younger. We need a world-class player. And my first thought was, well, you guys do have world-class players. I thought the new U.S. player was already here. The Christian Pulisics of the world, the Weston McKinney's of the world, the Tyler Adams's yeah, of the world. But who are we kidding ourselves? So now? a lot of negativity, a lot of negativity towards the talent of the U.S. player. You could say it's maybe finger pointing, saying we couldn't succeed because we didn't have. Because he was saying that the U.S. didn't have that difference maker in the final third. And maybe he's right. You look at the names you just mentioned; uh, those names aren't world class players. Especially when we look in the final third, they're not difference makers on team. Is Chris, I mean, it's it's um, Memphis Depay. It's Memphis, a way better player than Christian Pulisic. Well, in all fairness to him, that's not his comparison. That was Greg right. Berhalter's that was Greg Berhalter. But this is which this is, is the which is an error, having. which is a joke, and it shouldn't have been done. Uh, but in a separate report, uh, one by Brian Strauss of yeah. the Sporting Sport, Illust Sports Illustrated, Sports excuse Illustrated. me, uh, he talks about culture and wanting to bring in somebody a next future. U.S. men's national even coach, um, who understands the culture. I would ask to that, what culture? What culture are you asking about? Because the culture that you've had at U.S. soccer, or the identity, I should say, historically, is one of fight, spirit, never backing down. It's not about quality. It's not about talent. These type of this type of culture that he's alluding to, and Sebi Salazar, this is not my take, this is Sebi's take, which I 100% agree, years ago, he said you could never have that culture because there is no pickup culture. This, yeah. goes, this goes to what you and I know of Mexican culture when it comes to footballing culture, which is way of life. It's part of the everyday fabric. And so it's important and part of the fabric, and there's a pickup culture where everywhere you look, it's being played like that. You're not going to have the culture he's talking about. You can have certain type of players that may help you win. They may understand what certain cultures are about, but you won't have as a whole a country of over 360 million with an instilled culture when it comes to this sport yet. So he takes a lot of easy outs here. He does. Uh, one of my, well, Another takeaway that I had when reading this article was when you have an interview with someone who had his position, right, you expect that he would have an idea of the things that need to be done, changed, in order to, what, as he said, to take the next step. But he went really, really, really wide on the topics that he brought to the table. Because he first started talking about talent. Then he talked about culture. Then he talked about system, right? That's three completely different things. 
And my question was, if all of those things need to be changed, then this idea that I at least had, right, that the U.S. that the U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team, the senior team was on the right path, on the right track towards the World Cup in 2026. Maybe it isn't that so. Maybe maybe things are not quite well as me as an outsider. And you know this by listening to a lot of our colleagues on not only ESPN Deportes but other networks when we compared the Mexican national team and the U.S. men's national team is, oh, those guys, the U.S. men's national team, they are way ahead of where the Mexican national team is. And I've thought of that. But now by reading this article, things maybe are not as clear as we thought they were. Well, that's how he ends the article when he's asked if he would change anything structurally internally, and he said no. I think that's where you lack self-awareness if you're Ernie Stewart, a little self-reflection. It's, I will aken this to Tata Martino. Tata Martino in his exit interview, if you will, with the Mexican Federation, stated things you obviously already knew. Accepted no blame, no responsibility. I'm out the door, peace out, enjoy. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you make uh, of his assessment of Greg Berhalter as a manager? When he says, we had a good World Cup, Things that we did were good. If you, if you take away the scoreboard and the goals, we performed well. What do you make of that? It's just excuses. Listen, he brought in Red, uh, Greg Berhalter, so he bears responsibility for Greg Berhalter. If the bar, the minimum, because of 2018 and the failed World Cup um, objective was to get to the World Cup, A, and B, get out of the group, that's what they did. And if that's a success to him, then there's your success. Now, is it a success for everybody? No, not necessarily. Was it a good World Cup? Sure. Was, was it, it was it a bad World Cup? No. Was it a great World Cup? No. But was it wasn't making the round of sixteen the bar not for, for this, this team? Uh, getting out of the group was the bar for this team, and they made it very clear. So by stating your objective, part of the process, very right? Clearly, yes. Um, they they met expectations, but by seeing this player pool, and I would add. By just watching the games, I mean, you had a f ridiculous second half where things came crashing down against Wells. You could have lost the game. You were very lucky to get out of the way with the point. You played a worldly against England. Still didn't beat them. You tied. And you beat Iran. That's your World Cup. That's your World Cup. You did the bare minimum. And I think that that was the Greg Berhalter era, sans Mexico. He said, uh, he also said when he took over, right, that was probably the worst time in U.S. soccer recent history after right. not qualifying to the World Cup in 2018. Uh, leaving the bar of the round of 16, I thought it was like reasonable expectations. Now, he keeps talking about uh, player development, talent development. What about coaching? Because he was asked about Greg Berhalter's successor, and he didn't want to commit an answer to that, right? So if there's a conversation to to be held about player development and player talent, what about coaching for the U.S. men's national team? Well, he washed his hands of it, you know? He doesn't want to comment on if there's a short list or not because that's not on him anymore. Um, it, it bears repeating that at this exact moment in the U.S. soccer landscape, the U.S. men's national team has no coach, no general manager per Ernie Stewart is to choose the head coach and no sporting director that one would assume would choose the general manager. Yeah. <laughs> Shows you where it is. Yeah, you guys are 
too negative sometimes with your team. I understand. This is a critical situation. I'm not downplaying it, right? You don't. You, you haven't filled out of those positions, crucial positions. Things are not looking great. But, I mean, I, I still struggle with the thought that what were true expectations, were those expectations met, and the talent, the pool of players, some of us believe is actually better than some of you guys think. Well, but that's what we defer. I guess some of those teams got out of the group phase. <laughs> All right, talking about talent and players, let's run it back. Let's start with Brent, oh, Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe keeps scoring in the Edit BC. Eight goal of the season. Groningen still fighting relegation, second to last. That was a draw yeah. over the weekend. Turned out to be a 1-1 draw. Uh, this is second of the year. Ricardo Pepe may be one of the few lone bright spots of Groningen season. That's a good finish by Ricardo Pepe. Eight goal of the season. We move this to Scotland. Matthew Hopi, that's his first goal for Hibernian. Another striker converting inside the box. Yeah, he needs those goals. I, listen, I, not big on the Scottish Premier League, Premiership, whatever it is. Sorry, apologies. Um, it's all right. But he needs to score goals. Uh, didn't happen in Mallorca, didn't happen in Middlesbrough. Uh, he needs to get back on track. This is Brendan Aronson playing for Leeds United. Under 21, he played 30 minutes on Saturday. He played... 60 minutes today, scored the opener for Leeds under 21. Yeah, he was coming back from appendicitis, missed some time, so trying to get him back into rhythm, plays this U21 game. It doesn't matter what you play, you need to get back your sharpness and your fitness. All right, we're moving now to Liga on. This was quite the game. PSG against Lille and Jonathan David. 15th goal of the season. This was quite the match. It had everything. Jonathan David converting from the spot. Are you telling me he's good at penalty kicks? Are you telling me yeah. he's a penalty kick? Yeah. Oh, no. That was, that was, I mean, that was a big uh, stage for Jonathan David and converting. Now, now he's tied with Kylian Mbappe and Florian Balogan. Balogan, yes. Balogan, 15 goals each. This is the betting odds on who's going to win the golden boot in the French first division, the league on. So let's book it. Who you got to win the Golden Boot in France? If I'm betting my hard-earned money, plus like, 110. I love, I love uh, Volarin Balagan and what he's done, but my man's had a couple appearances at Arsenal, some Europa League games, and in a breakout season right now in Ligue 1. Uh, I love it, but he's off my list. Jonathan David, 15 goals last season was his record uh, at Lille in Ligue 1. I think that's where he caps off. I, I got to go with tried and proven. You look at Kylian Mbappe. Not only is Kylian Mbappe a cheat code, Okay, at the world level, but when it comes to league on, he just completely dominates. He had 28 goals last season, uh, 27 before, 33 goals the first time he won the Golden Boot. He, he's won it already four times. Then to go for his fifth consecutive Golden Boot. Nobody's touching Kylian Mbappe. He's on pace to hit those uh, figures again. This is the future of the sport right here before our very eyes. And our Concacaf brethren, to their dismay, are just in his way. Listen, just the fact that those names are next to, attached to Kylian Mbappe fighting to win the Golden Boot in Ligue 1, that's already high praise, but we're talking about different type of talent right here. And just listen, 
they need Kylian Mbappe to score at a high rate because Paris Saint-Germain is conceding like crazy. And they are facing Marseille. Neymar will be out for at least three weeks. Well, however long Carnival lasts. And sister's birthday, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, it has, I mean, you have to go with Kylian Mbappe. What will happen in the future with him, nobody knows. Probably he doesn't even know at this point, but uh, that's a safe bet. Plus 110. Uh, they, uh, again, uh, it's not the fact that he's just the best player in the league, but Paris Saint-Germain are conceding a lot of goals. They're not playing great. And if they're going to keep the gap with Olympique Marseille, they need Mbappe yeah. to score a lot, and well, I think it's going to happen. Listen, you're, you're comparing Balogun and, and Jonathan David to not one of the best players in the league, on, one of the best players in the world. Yeah, for sure. An hist a historic play, or player, excuse me, in, in, in the game. What he's been able to do at the world level, what he's been able to do. Ligon, he continues to defy, honestly, everything that you've ever thought of. He's, he's on messy pace for greatness. If, if he's healthy, no one can stop him. Let's, let's, let's just put it that way. Uh, let's keep running it back. More action over the weekend. Kyle Laren playing for uh, Bajalolid. Third goal in the last four games against Betis. That's a very, very nice finish by Kyle Laren. Yeah, his first start since he got there. My man is averaging a goal every 55 minutes. We know this about Kyle Laren. We know he's a goal scorer. He led CONCACAF in goal scoring. He was a goal scorer in Turkey. He's doing it now again in La Liga. Yeah, but that was a good move for him to go to La, to La Liga. It's not easy to play at Valladolid, but he's going to have his chances. Alfonso Davis, again, not a good result for Bayern Munich. They lost against Borussia Mönchengladbach for a, for a couple of assists for the Canadian star. Yeah, a couple assists, uh, Alfonso Davies slowly getting back into the uh, swing of things. But correct me if I'm wrong, Bayern Munich tends to lose to Gladbach. Yeah. They, they've got a, a terrible record against Gladbach. Joe Scully did not make uh, an appearance here, but my man Alfonso did and gets his second assist of the day. Yeah, he's, uh, he's getting back there. A lot was made of uh, Joao Cancelo joining Bayern Munich. Dali Blind joining Bayern Munich uh, uh, again also during the uh, transfer window. Still, I mean, finally, we have a tight title race in the Bundesliga. Three teams top of the table with 43 points. Bayern Munich leading by goal uh, difference so far. But Borussia Dortmund and Union Berlin uh, following really, really tight. So that will follow by this. Ah, this is a great question. CONCACAF player that will make the biggest impact in the Bundesliga title race. Options. Jordan Pifok and Geraldo Becker with Union Berlin. Gio Reyna, Borussia Dortmund. And Alfonso Davis with Bayern Munich. All right, so let's go process elimination very quickly. Gio Reyna's not starting. Not a starter. Play last yep. game. Uh, be very difficult for him to continue this pace. Though, Dortmund, along with Munich and Union Berlin, are at the top 43 points apiece. Uh, I'll put him off the list. Alfonso Davies as a left back. You could only assume he could impact the game so much for a team like Bayern Munich. Um, I'm going to go with somebody from Union Berlin. But it's not Jordan Pifak, and you understand he's a nine. It's Geraldo Becker. Let me tell you about Geraldo Becker. Geraldo Becker, a man 28 years old, Amsterdam-born winger. 
He's a playmaking winger from the right or the left-hand side with goals in the Bundesliga, in the Europa League, the Pokal, you name it, goals and assists in all the competitions. He's got over 30% of his team's goals this season in the Bundesliga. Very fast on the dribble, direct, can play both sides. Playmaking, so he got assists in his game. This is a player that I believe we've not seen his attributes in CONCACAF for quite some time. Just started playing with Suriname. Uh, Mexico will see him yeah, very briefly. Yeah, yeah. He's, the, he's the one who I think is going to be the difference maker out of the CONCACAF players in the Bundesliga. So, I like Shadal. I think he's a very aggressive player. Yes. Very aggressive player, but really good. But I'm going to go with Alfonso Davis. And I see what you're saying about him being a left back. But with this system under Julian Nagelsmann, right? He's playing a different tactics. He's reinventing the sport. Alfonso Davis tends to play more as a winger than a left back. He's playing and he's creating a lot of chances. Both goals for Bayern over the weekend, two assists from Alfonso Davis. Champion League play, assists? he started yeah. he started on the bench, right? But when he came back, he was really 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 good and he also had an assist. After the oh, World Cup, yeah, yes. after the World Cup, right? He's played at least 45 minutes in all but one game in this Bundesliga. I'm not counting the Pokal game against Mainz, where he was a sub as well. He's crucial to Julian Nagelsmann's system. We saw how he can affect the game. And in the end, even though this is a very, very tight title race, in the end, I believe Bayern has enough talent to win it all and be champions again for the 12th time in a row. And I do believe Alfonso Davies oh, can be a big factor for it's that. It's just about time there was a title race, though. You know? It was about time. Yeah. Time and he, and who, I mean, we expected that from Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. But Union Berlin, the last, not only this season, last season again. Oh, they made Europa League. They, exactly. And they, uh, they did really well. Now, really, uh, you, you said Gio Reyna not playing concerns about his playing time? No, I, I think everything we've read coming low. out of the press, coming out of Dortmund, is they want to ease him back into fitness. Reading to that what you will, but they still are very worried about his last year, calendar year, his health, and how that could go in and affect him post-World Cup. So I've got no issues with the way they're treating him. Obviously, they lit a fire underneath him. He's been scoring goals off the bench, so hopefully it continues and he works his way back into the pitch. Yeah, but it's looking strong that uh, Borussia Dortmund squad is not going to be easy, even when he's fit to find a place in the starting 11 for Borussia Dortmund. And we have a big one on Sunday, starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. FC Bayern München, München hosting Union Berlin. The title race is as tight as it has ever been in the last 10 years in the Bundesliga. Again, on Sunday on ESPN Plus, starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Phil Neville has some questions, especially regarding how are the playoffs going to be played? Inter Miami's head coach, not really thrilled with the way this topic has been handled. Here's his quote. We're six days, seven days out from the first game of the season. We don't know the playoff format. I think that's poor when you're talking about professionalism and elite. One of our players asked one of the MLS guys, what's the playoff system? And they were like, we don't know. And I'm like, that's not elite. You're talking about differences between the UK and the US. We talked about the intensity of the fans. It's a big difference. And we've planned the whole season and we actually don't know when the season ends and how many games we've got after the regular season. My question is, who's figuring it out? Is it Apple? Who's wagging the dog? Man, that shots fired hurt. That is it Apple. I believe it was just a fantastic quote by Neville. Now, is, is the criticism justified by Phil Neville? Absolutely. He mentioned it's poor. It lacks elite. Um, it's amateur hour. That's really what it is. Who's wagging the dog? It's a damning yeah, statement. Yeah. Like, who's leading who here? Yeah. Who's calling the shots is what he's asking. Is it the league office or Apple. is it Apple? Now, that's a valid question. Is it Apple? And if it is Apple, how much of a say should Apple have? Apple's coughing up $250 million a year. $250 million a year. They want to recoup that in some way. How do you do that? Well, games that you can televise. It is amateur hour if you expect these players, these teams, to play a best-of-three series. These rumors we've been hearing first about. Round. First round, best-of-three. It's trying to Americanize the world's game in the most negative type of way. When people abroad see this, hear this, look at this, it justifies... Every negative thought they had about Americans in the game, when really it's businessmen trying to make money. Yeah. It, it, it's an insult to the fan and how sophisticated they are today to believe that they would be okay with this to the players and the players' union and to people like Phil Neville. Because when you start a game, let's take a board game, for example. What's the most important thing <laughs> to know? The rules and regulations. Well, when the circumstances play, surrounding said things. Like Clue when you cheat playing Clue. Everything. Everything. You need to uh, know what you're getting into. And listen, yeah. season starts this weekend. this weekend. He's right, number one. A lot of people are taking the is it Apple quote, right, uh, in a very, very serious manner. I wouldn't be as shocked. And I know friends at Major League Soccer don't like to hear what I'm about to say, but I mean, I have to say it. Other leagues like the NFL, MLB, do listen to networks, right? Broadcasters regarding playoff formats. Of course that happens. They're paying a lot of money to broadcast those games. Of course they have a say. So it doesn't scare me if it's Apple considering the playoff format. What it doesn't make any sense is that at this hour, we don't have a resolution. That the fact that teams do not know that this doesn't happen in MLE or NFL, right? Six days before 
the season starts, they know how the playoff format is going to look like. That's, as Phil Neville said, that's poor and that is not elite and it's not fair. It's not fair for teams, players, managers that they do not know. And I know that the playoffs are months away from today. But that's just not the way it should go down. That's not the way how serious leagues, elite leagues, elite competitions work. How have you not resolved this? I don't understand. I don't get it. It's, it's a circus for the players. Um, it's a circus for the families, for the coaching staffs. Um, that should be the bare minimum. Just know the skeleton. Just know start and end. Playoff start, playoff end. The format and how it will go, especially for a coach like Phil Neville for many years, his first couple years uh, at Inter, was complaining about needing a certain type of player that would be physically fit enough for the demands of playing in Southern Florida. Now imagine adding extra games to that calendar on top of his worry. I mean, that's a different conversation, right? Whether you like or dislike the proposed format of best of three for the first round. Oh, you're telling me that Apple may have a say in it, so... And I don't have a problem. Do you have a problem with Apple having a say in it? Yes. Why? Yes, because you the, can have a... Net- networks have a say in on the day, that happens. On the time, sure, but not on the amount of games in a series when it comes to a sport that doesn't do games in a series. But that happens in every league here in the States. Yeah, and that's the problem. ESPN has that, a say in the that's playoff the format. And that's the problem. Why is it a problem? For football, for soccer. That is the problem. Because you're talking about baseball, you're talking about basketball. Imagine if a network came in and told the NFL, hey, you should do a best of three series in the playoffs. I mean, I, w- <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't say it's not going to happen in the future. It will never right? happen. Football is a different animal because of the contact at the way things go down. What I'm saying is I, it, I have zero problem with Apple having conversations with the league regarding the format. I, I don't think, I don't think, I have I don't think there's a problem, problem with conversations. With zero. I don't think there's a problem with conversations. Well, that, that's okay. The problem is who's making the final decision. That's the problem. Who do you think is making the final decision? Major League Soccer. I've got no doubts that they're smart enough to... But this leaves a lot to be desired when you're right. days away from the kickoff. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I saw the Toronto Galaxy game. The picture looks absolutely stunning. Yeah. So congrats to our friends in the broadcast booth, to our friends in production. It looked very good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so the season starts this weekend. No player in the history of Major League Soccer has won the MVP award in back-to-back seasons. Now, this is a feat that, that uh, Hani Mukhtar will try to achieve starting this weekend with Nashville hosts New York City Football Club. Herc and Sepp had a... Not, not Sepp and Herc. Herc and Sepp, whatever he is, had a conversation with the current MVP. There's no big no back-to-back MVPs? Mukhtar in the box. Jose Martinez defending and Mukhtar with a tough finish. Leal goes for goal. Mukhtar behind him. Mukhtar trick. He's got it. What a hit by Mukhtar. This is the crowning of King Harry. MVP. MVP. Wait, 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 wait. MVP. Wait, wait. La- la- last time... We left Hani. It was, Hani, get paid. I want to know, you got paid yet? 
Oh man, not yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Still no. waiting. Nashville, what are you doing? Nashville's <sighs> got to get to work on some of these contracts. I mean, it's uh, definitely, definitely earned it over the last Absolutely. season or two, especially last season with the MVP. We have the Euros coming up in 2024. We got qualifying that starts now, almost in March. Do you put that on your radar? Do you do you see yourself as trying to be or wanting to be part of that process for 2024? I mean, since I'm a young man, young 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 boy, my dream was I had two dreams. A boy from Berlin, you have the first dream is play for Hertha BSC in the stadium, right? In the big stadium with 74,000. I made that with 17. And then the second dream is like of course, playing for the national team, you know, that's the biggest honor you can have as a, as a soccer player, you know, and um, I mean, never stop dreaming and I will work hard, I will work very hard for it and uh, if I get a chance, I will, I will deliver, I will, I will give my best. You know, it used to be that if you were a player of national team material, even if you were good enough for other national teams in Europe, maybe they wouldn't look at you because you're Major League Soccer. We just saw a World Cup champion in Argentina mm -hmm. with Thiago Almada, who plays in Atlanta United. Is the perception of Major League Soccer around the world changing? Do like you think you could get called in from MLS? Yes, you really definitely. believe that? Yes, I really believe that. Um, I have no doubts. Um, I, think, um, I think they have very similar types of me in the national team. But I think you can definitely get called in. You saw that with Almada. Um, and I saw that in the, in the German news and media, they, like, they really talked about that. You know, like probably like five to 10 years ago, it wouldn't have happened. You know, even if you become the MVP and stuff like that, you know, here in the league. But um, everyone is realizing and recognizing, hey, the league has changed here. Over here, it's like a good quality. Um, and I mean, we see that with Almada and the other players. Like I heard, we had like 36 uh, players in the World Cup. That's an amazing number, and I think that's after the top five leagues, we are the six, right? So it's it's amazing to see what's going on here, and um, yeah, it's just getting better. What's next for Nashville? Next for Nashville is like we have to work on our game. Um, I think um, we have a couple of uh, things to to work on, especially controlling the game with the ball uh, periods of the of the game to really say okay it's zero zero but we control the game and um, we we showed that we can hurt uh, teams we're good in transition we stay compact we have a lot of strengths but also if we want to make the next step um, we have to work on that and I think it's it's very important for how do you make your home field more of a home fortress mm. more difficult to play in for for uh, for opposing uh, pony excuse me for opponents because I look at you guys' home record last season and it, it didn't look like you controlled those games you're talking about exactly like uh, you know like you have an amazing stadium you have amazing fans you know like it's a great atmosphere around the city so now is the time like hey teams are coming to us before like two years ago they came to us they want to control they want to attack these days it's like okay let them let them have the they ball exactly yeah. we sit back. Like Kansas came to us, like a lot of teams that came to us and they were sitting back. And that's where we have, um, or we had troubles, troubles. And now it's the time like, hey, okay, we, we can do that. We have good enough players. Maybe we get one or two other players to, to the roster and then keep the ball, control the game, attack, play attractive football. You know, like um, that's the next step. I think for the club, we have to, we have to go. But 
you want to play attractive football with Gary Smith. I played for Gary Smith. <laughs> I played for Gary Smith in Colorado. No, I mean, it's not true because, like, we, we scored a lot of goals. Right. You know, and um, I heard that a lot um, throughout the league that we're not playing attractive football and stuff like but we scored goals. Yeah, and for me, it's like, for me, it's like, if you score goals, it is attractive football. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you can, you can say whatever you want, but, like, if you score enough goals, the fans will love it, yeah. you know? And it's all about winning games and creating chances. Yeah. And that's, I think, the next step we have to make. Shout know? out to Gary Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hani Mukhtar, the reigning MLS MVP. Great to have you here on the show, as always. Thanks for the time. Get paid, Hani, get paid. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> See, somehow Sebi eventually made it into the show. Always does. Take a look at this. Stats, goals plus assists, 34. First one to lead that statistic in consecutive seasons since Sebastian Jovinko did it in 2015-2016. Oh, expected goals. You hate that stat. I love that stat. Yeah, the best stat is the goals and the assists. I was with Gio that year, by the way. Were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on to this 2023 season about to start. <clears throat> Who's your pick to win the Landon Donovan MVP award? Just MVP, no golden boot, just MVP? Just MVP, most valuable player. Get paid, honey, get paid! Hani Mukhtar, how many times we gotta advocate for Hani to get paid? I talked to Hani and he's like, say it louder for those in the back, yo. Pay him, Nashville, pay this man. Cause he's gonna do it. He's gonna be MVP again. Consecutive years MVP. It's, there's a very simple equation to being MVP. You don't gotta be on the best team. Okay, you don't okay. gotta be the best. That's not great, you but okay. You don't gotta be the fastest. Yeah. You know what you gotta do? Gotta score. Double digit goals, double digit assists. This is what this man does. And he's a candidate for the last two years, okay? Of being golden boots and also assists. Mm -hmm. That combination with a style of play as unattractive as some of you pundits. Talking to you, Andrew Weeby. Name names. Talking yeah. to you, good, good, good. Uh, Doyle. Good for, you for naming names. Yeah, those guys. As, as many of you pundits say it's ugly football, the man scores goals. They're catered to Hani. Hani is the goal scoring machine there. He will score his goals. He will get his assists. They will be double digits. It's an easy one for me. I'm going to Hani Mukhtar again. I'm going to be easy, though. You, you heard the men. I mean... Teams are playing them differently, right? No, not a lot of space. It's not going to be easy. Right, I have, well, who you got? I have my candidate for 2023, Landon Donovan, Major League Soccer MVP. Okay. Landon Donovan played for the Galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. Great player for the Galaxy. Yeah. I have a Galaxy player winning the 2023 MVP and is oh. Javier wow. Chicharito. You going with your heart here? No. <laughs> if, I, if I was going with my heart, I would go. I would go with Carlos Vela. Really easy. Oh, uh, LAFC uh, fan in the house, huh? No, it's just a more of a Vela fan than Chicharito. Anyways, <laughs> this is the season for Javier Hernandez. He's in a contract year. He's in a contract year. Scored 18 goals last season. Most of the year he was healthy, and he's getting more and more help now. You can probably throw up my face what I said about Ricky Puch when he joined the team. I'm not that type of person. I thought he was going to be a disaster. He's not. I never thought he was going to be a good fit. I did. He proved me wrong. He has been really good and especially really good 
for Javier Hernandez. He finally has the player who can make him great, who can make him make the jump from a very good goal scorer to maybe the best goal scorer in Major League Soccer next season. Now, does he have to win the Golden Boot in order to win MVP? Absolutely. Chicharito's not winning MVP if he doesn't win the Golden Boot. I guarantee you that. He doesn't have that in his bag to get enough assists. So he has to be the guy pushing the ball in the back of the net. To his credit, every year since he's gotten into Major League Soccer, he's upped his he's total. He's gotten better. Yeah, yeah. He's gotten better. To his detriment, because he got healthier. To this detriment in this argument, I don't know what his health is going to be like this season. He came off the two preseason games ago. The first five minutes of the game, um, it felt something came off. We've not seen him back since. He didn't play against Toronto. You have to assume a year older, and the LA Galaxy having that ban on incoming summer transfers that usually has helped them to be something that could hurt him. Like Ricky Puch last year. Exactly. He is a very good finisher. Do they have the pieces right now to help him finish at the rate he needs to? I don't believe so. And also, Dejan. Dejan is nipping at his heels, knocking on that door. Which is, sooner rather than later, better. he's going to be up there. For a competitor like Javier Hernandez to have someone to push him, like Dejan has done it, I think he's made him better. Yeah, I think he, I think he has made Chicharito well, a better let's, player. Let's hope to your argument. Chicharito's that type of guy where if he gets opportunities, he will score, score goals. I don't know what this season will look like for the LA Galaxy, and I mean, I mean that with the utmost respect. Mm. They have put themselves in a situation because of Chris Klein, because of what they've done, the, sp the fines and suspension, and they've not, to this day, to this moment, helped themselves for winning games this season. They're still waiting on a right back because Julian Araujo is gone. They're still waiting on a second or third winger, if you will. Yeah. Tyler Boyd just signed. Yep. That, that is one that just came through the pipeline literally like an hour ago for us. So it will help. Yes, you still need a winger. You still need an outside back. And they're talking about Marcelo. So it goes to show you where the brass is. It goes to show you where leadership is thinking at this very moment. But if you're trying to bank on Chicharito winning MVP without being the Golden Boot winner, I don't see that happening. We expand on the Marcelo conversation in our digital segment. You can check it out on different platforms. If Chicharito ends up winning the MVP, I'm going to ask you to please... Call your buddies that made this T-shirt and make this exact you know, same design. Remove your ugly face from I, it. I'm pretty sure they will, make, they will make that on it. for any Galaxy player that wins two, two championships in a year. I'll, I'll probably wear it. All right. Any Galaxy um, player. <laughs> the, by the way, the rest of the Major League Soccer preview on Football Americas this Thursday. Predictions and all you need to know for this upcoming 2023 Major League Soccer season. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We move on to Liga MX. Las Aguilas del América hosting... Cholos de Tijuana at Estadio Azteca. 11-minute Diego Valdez. What a save from Toño Rodríguez. Toño Rodríguez had himself a blinder. Even when they did score on him, you could see why. But look, Henry Martin right there. Makes himself big. Keeps this game 0-0. Having him in there. And then Henry again. It's Toño making himself big. Chance after chance, man. Yeah, but Henry Martin against three Tijuana defenders. Tijuana now with Miguel Herrera as the manager. And is this a great goal or a bad mistake? Leo Suarez, left foot. Look at how he bends the ball. But Toño Rodriguez, where was he going? Yeah, he just took a step. That's a difficult shot. It may be on his post, but you're not doing anything on that. And then Henry Martin, the sexy. He's bringing Diego Valdez back. And then here you go. Here you go. Somebody on him. Hey, what do you know? Tijuana's having some chances. And then, oh, no, you just came in 24 seconds ago. Do not. You just came in 24 seconds ago. Yeah. That's not a red card. Red card for Misael uh, Dominguez. 80th minute. What a strike. Silvio Martinez from long distance. And we had a tight game. But in injury time, another try by Diego Valdez. It goes wide. Miguel Herrera cannot believe it. He was booed. As he entered Estadio Azteca, America beats Tijuana 2-1. America now a year, a year without loss playing at home at Estadio Azteca. Something, nothing, or everything. This unbeaten run in a calendar year for Las Aguilas playing at home. It's everything. And you would know this more than others, but I've always heard and I've experienced this playing in Liga MX about El Estadio Azteca, El Estadio Azteca, El Estadio Azteca. The myth. The myth, how mythical of a beast it is to play in Estadio Azteca. And you hear el sueño de todo futbolista mexicano, the dream of every Mexican footballer. It's one of two things. It's to play in El Estadio Azteca with the national team or against America in El Estadio Azteca. It's how they make it bigger than it actually is. And more often than not, When teams go and play there, they suffer because the altitude, the opponent, because of the stadium, its history, it really is that figure. So it, it, it is everything, and especially when you think about a year, that would imply that it's not only Tano Ortiz's team, but Santiago Solari's team as well. How impressive they've been, constant they've been throughout that year at home. Well, it's a, it's, it's about to be a year, uh, also a year since uh, El Tano Ortiz took over America. I'm going to say it is something, but not everything. Because of all the things that you said that are absolutely right, I agree with all of them. But it doesn't really mean if you don't finish winning the league in the end, right? This streak of not losing at home for Club America and this Liga MX, with this current level of Liga MX, where you have bad teams like Mazatlán. Querétaro actually got a point from Estadio Azteca right. this season. That's why I cannot go ahead and Puebla say as well. it is everything. Puebla as well. And they both have been awful yeah, yeah. this season. So it's nice, it's nice to have 
And in this format, if you don't lose at home, you will make La Liguilla, you will make the playoffs, but that's not the bar for America. Right now, the bar is championship or bust. Regardless, if you celebrate a year without losing at home. Now, next game at home, it's a tough one. It's against Pachuca. Who actually they lost the last time. Last time. And, and, and Pachuca, they have been doing well. This is the remaining home schedule for America in this Clausura 2023. Not easy. Pachuca currently fourth, but probably played better than that. Leon, they're doing better week after week yeah. with, with, with Larcamón. Rayados, best team in the country by far. And Pumas, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, please, come on. Uh, Pumas is, is a trap game because it's a rivalry, so, yes, very difficult. Will they remain undefeated till the end of the regular season? At home. At home, yeah. This uh, is at home. No, if I had a bet, no. And you just mentioned a few teams that could present problems. Pachuca being the very obvious candidate. Pachuca, who actually always plays well in Estadio Azteca. There's always this team that, for whatever reason, you don't do well against. For Club America, that's Pachuca. They have a certain system. They have a certain intensity to them, to their game, that presents problems. You know how I felt going into the season about Club America and their prospects in that center-back yeah. duo. Nestor Araujo, Cáceres, Luis Reyes. I wasn't sold on any of them. Oh, Chava Reyes, excuse me. I wasn't no, sold. no, no, you're good. You're good. I, yes, yeah. I wasn't sold on any of them. I'm still Chava not Reyes sold. Is the left yes, back. you're right. I'm still not sold on any of them. They are a liability. This is a team, especially with Tan Ortiz, who's still a very young manager who's having trouble closing out games. Pachuca? plays with the intensity they can play at, and America gives the chances that they gave to Cholos, Pachuca's putting this game away. And if it's not Pachuca, forget about it. It'll be Monterrey. So last season's Pachuca would have scared me. We talked to Guillermo Almada on Ahora o Nunca recently before the whole uh, Mexican national team manager thing went down. And, and, and he was very, very, very candid saying, listen, we're not the same team without Nico Ibañez, of course, but also, also, the fact that they have been playing well, but they lost their best players. Uh, el, el Pocho being the other one. Guzman. Po Pocho Guzman. Um, I don't think America should be afraid of this Pachuca. Yeah, club. but they gained two players. Now, Chicho Arango debuted last night. Yeah. He got his first. He did okay. Play. He did okay. He, he, did was, okay. he was maybe a foul with Kevin Alvarez in the goal they scored in the last minute. He also got an assist, by the way. Uh, but the coming out party again, because he does this every once in a while, of, of La Chofis Lopez and who he is today. He scored his fifth goal yeah. last night. Yeah. So with Chicho Arango, who's going to get his feet wet, and, and La Chofis Lopez playing an optimum level, this is a scary team. I don't care if Nico Ibanez is on it or not. You still have to respect the players they have on the field and the, the, the intensity, the system that Guillermo Almada has them play with. I, this is a, a trap game. For them. Well, you know, of course, I'm going to say that America are going to go unbeaten at home Shocker. the rest of the season. I think, I think they, can, they can pull it off. I mean, they are as good as any other team in Liga MX. Speaking, speaking of good teams, Chivas. Fifth consecutive game without a loss. They went to play... Pumas at Ciudad Universitaria in Mexico City. They hadn't won their season. Go ahead, Danny Rios. And there you go, Rios. Scores in the fifth minute. And then Pumas had their chances, but they missed oh, a lot of chances, Diogo. especially in the first half. Oh, Diogo. And, uh, yeah, how about this save? <laughs> go ahead, Wacho. Watch out. Yeah, Wacho was the big star for Pumas in the game. 32nd minute. 
Another set piece. How does that Another happen? corner. How does, how does that happen? It, Carlos Cisnero with the score. Diogo and Dineno right there. Two tallest players for Pumas. And then look at this. Use your left foot. Use your left oh, foot. Dineno. Use the left foot. Oh, good Lord. Dineno. Dineno, that was bad. 75th minute. Rubalcaba, Monroy with the cross and Dineno. But he's offside. No, no, no. Was he? Was he? Rubalcaba. No. VAR in action. Score counts. And then in the 98th minute, the Guacho with the claw to save the win for Chivas. 2-1 at Ciudad Universitaria beating Pumas. Now, uh, Chivas seems like uh, the new manager is getting a hold of this team, but it all starts with Pocho Guzman, who's having a great season. Victor Guzman. Score, uh, Victor Guzman scoring from the spot as well, but we all know Alexis Vega... Is not right now part of the team with an injury. Who's more valuable to Chivas right now? Guzman? Or was it Alexis Vera when he was around? No, it's, it's Victor Guzman. Listen, he's played in six games. He started six games. Um, he's already got four goals, two assists. Yep. Alexis Vega has never had more than five goals or five assists, regardless of campaign, in any season he's played. It's obvious how important... Victor Guzman is not only in his overall game, because he's already coming off of winning the championship with Pachuca, but just in general with this Chivas team. Who's the captain right now? It's Victor Guzman. Victor Guzman is a leader, and he also leads by example. He scores goals. He gives assists. He facilitates. He's first in that attack when it comes to pressing and defending and organizing. Now, some may say that Chivas has more points than they deserve. If that's oh, the that case, would be me, yeah. If that's the case, that exhibit A, Victor Guzman. He is cause and effect of that. So I like Victor Guzman a lot. I, I think he deserves a chance at the Mexican national team. I thought he deserved a chance for the team that went on and played in Qatar 2022. Is he better than Alexis Vega? I don't think so. Is he more valuable than Alexis Vega to Chivas? I don't think so right now. I think when Alexis was there, Chivas was, he was a part of a team under very poor dynamics. I think Guzman is benefiting for or by this by Paunovic's system, which is more aggressive, more straightforward, more attacking, plays to his what, strengths. What's Alexis good at? Oh, Alexis is great at everything. Like what? Scoring goals? If he plays, if he plays out wide, he can dribble. Right? He wins 1v1s. He can assist. He scores. He's both are complete players. Let me ask you a question. Both are very, very, let me finish this. Just this thought. Both are very complete players. But for this Chivas system, I think we have to wait and see. Whenever Alexis Vega is fit and ready to go, I think when that happens, this system really plays to his strengths and he'd be more valuable than Pocho Guzman. This right dynamic now. system. Yeah. Okay. On both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. What do you want at Alexis Vega? Goals or assists? Both. You want both, right? I want both. And he can do both. He, he, do you agree he, he, he can do both? No, because he's never given you more than five in his uh, category. Well, you have to consider he, who he's playing with. No, you have to right? consider the Ocho numbers. Guzman was great at assisting because he had Nico Ibanez in front of him. No, no. In the league's Chivas top team. scorer. In this Chivas team. Yeah, I mean, Victor Guzman, can play Victor Guzman has a nine who scored, all nines combined have scored one goal. And he's scoring goals. He's giving assists. He's a much better player. No, he's not a better player. He's just, it, he, they're, they're, first of all, they're different players. Listen to what I'm saying. They're very different He's players. a much better player at impacting the game. 
You know why? Because he comes up on the scoreboard, and if it's not the scoreboard, it's an well, assist. It's very simple. They're numbers. There's no denying a number. I think we are we're being very, very unfair to Alexis Vega. You are. I'm not. I'm being fair to Alexis Vega, but you're being How unfair so? to Alexis Vega. He's never scored because, more than five goals in a season. But but we haven't seen him under this regime, under Paunovic system. He was playing under Marcelo Michele Año, and he was great. He was the only Cadena, player that was playing Leano, good with whatever, Cadena. Whatever he you was want. Great. Pick the name. Pick now, the team. Now that they want. finally have him, and I'm not sold on Paunovic yet. I'm not saying he's Pep Guardiola with Barcelona, but at least I respect that he has an idea and it seems like the players bought on that idea. What I'm saying is once Alexis Vega is 100% again, this system, they both are going to play great. This is nothing against Portugal's man. I'm a huge fan of his play, but I think this system, we will see the true value of Alexis Vega, both scoring and assisting. Because we've not seen it yet. So this is why Not today, with Paunovic. No, he's today, been injured. This is why today the not answer... Not with This is why today the answer of the question posed by production would be Victor Guzman. Well, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm putting in context the fact that we haven't seen Alexis I'll Vega say, well, play well, yeah, after Paunovic. five minutes of arguing with you. You just don't like Alexis <laughs> Vega. This is what it matters. Um, really sad news for Jose Juan Macias. He was working to get back on the field after suffering... A knee injury and during training ruptured his ACL for the second time. Uh, surgery successful, but he'll have to wait another nine months to get back on the field. First of all, our thoughts are with him, hoping for a full and complete recovery. You had your number of knee injuries yes. as a player. You have a very, very real perspective on this. Can he go back to be what we expected him to be? Well, first of all, there's a reason there's high expectations for a player like JJ Macias. It's because you see the talent level. You saw it at Leon as a teenager. The man played like something like 40 games, had 19 goals as a teenager. Uh, led them to a final appearance where he was the nine, the goal scorer for that team. Comes out to Chivas, and you've already mentioned in the Alexis, Alexis Vega segment, uh, the array of problems that Chivas have had when it comes to their coaching, when it comes to their style of play, when it comes to the teams that they've had in the past. He's been a victim of that. He went to Getafe, it didn't go his way. Comes back, knee injury. You're looking for him to come back and be a strong player for it, gain a new perspective, and right before he gets that opportunity, it's pulled yeah. underneath from underneath him. He is a player, it gives me hope to see what he can do because he's not a player who is dependent on his physical abilities now. He's very quick in decision-making, right foot, left foot, gaining that one uh, yard of space to shoot hard with the right foot, hard with the left foot, good finisher with his head, instinctual movements can combine. I don't believe he is a player that is limited to only his physical abilities. I still think maybe not in Chivas or the right team. You could see him flourish. He's still only, what, 23 years of 23, age? 23, yeah. Hopefully he comes back stronger because I do think he's got a strong work ethic Excuse me, and mentality to go along with that talent. I hope you're right. I personally find it really tough for him to go back to that rate of scoring like he had at Leon when he was 18, 19 years old. And I worry about the mental element of the injury, right? That's, I mean, physically he might go back 100%, but good enough, fit enough to be a really good professional player. And we have been told that 
if there's something that stands out about JJ Macias is his mental strength. Yeah. That will be crucial for he to come back and be a great player. You just mentioned something that I think is very important, and, and, and it was, is it Chivas? Right. Is, that, is that the perfect place for him to go back and just try to recoup what he had, which was great abilities, great scoring rate? I, I don't know. I find it tough. I find it hard that he will ever be the striker, the player that we thought he could be. Again, if, his, if he has this mental strength, that we believe he has, he has a shot. He has a shot. But uh, I, we, we hope he has a full and speedy recovery. Now, best team in Liga MX. It's not America. It's not Tigres. Rayados de Monterrey. Seven win in a row. This one, they had to fight for it. They were playing Necaxa at El Gigante de Acero. And they have a problem, man, with PKs. What is up with that and Rayados de Monterrey? Now it was Rodrigo Aguirre. We have to go all the way to the second half. Good assist by Berterame, the finish by Rogelio Funes Mori. Yeah, Berterame has been one of the better players for Rayados. Funes Mori scoring goals again. And then, ah, oh, what say you? Penalty? Yeah, that's a penalty. Well. Yeah, arm extended. Not great. And this is Edgar Mendes. Scoring former Cruz Azul player Lilini is happy because he thinks he might steal a point from El Gigante de Acero. The crossword denies Jordi Cortizo. And in the 92nd minute, Gobea with a cross and the miracle by Germán Berterame. Rayados gets the win. The player, Berterame, goal and assist. We're taking it back home. Uh, Monterrey sits atop of the table, 21 points. Seven wins in eight games. Tigres and America follow with 18 and 16 points. Hey, Chivas is fifth with 15 for all those critics of Las Chivas Rayadas del Guadalajara. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, as the Perro Bermudez used to say, La Copa Chivalice. 
the U.S. Women's National Team facing Japan. We go to the fifth minute. Pass by Mallory Swanson. Nobody there. It's a good little teasing ball. Nobody closing the back door. And the cross, and this one almost gets in. Hits the crossbar. Lynn Williams almost that close. But the bar denying. Japan had a lot of chances. This is the 19th minute. Iwabuchi, the shot gets blocked. Fuka Nagano tries the volley and just yeah. goes wide. Let the letter come inside. Very dangerous position there. 44th minute. Mallory Swanson. Take a look. Big me. Goes 1v1. Check the speed, the control. Very nice control. And the finish, it is there. Yeah. Check out Alex Morgan. Just know who you're playing with. Knows it's about speed right here. Gives her some space, some time. The control is ridiculous. Control is great, man. Yeah, you just said that, Ma, right there. That's ridiculous control. She puts it away. Takes the first minute. Chance for Japan, the header. Because Joe's white. Hinatsugita missing in front of the goal. 79. Another chance for Japan from long distance. This is Fuka Nagano again. And almost at the end of the game, chance to tie it. Good save by Casey Murphy. It was a good game, good test for the U.S. women's national team beating Japan 1-0. Yeah, mixed squad, good result, but plenty of chances given up, that's for sure. Yeah, game played in Nashville. This is the table so far. 2023 She Believes Cup, the U.S. six points, followed by Canada with three, Brazil as well. Japan still looking to get the first points. Here's your parting shot. Take a look at this, Herc. Indy 11, they have unveiled the new stadium rendering. Construction for 20,000 seat 11 park to begin in May of this year. I mean, it looks like this is gonna be the best soccer design stadium in the country. I mean, when it comes to a non-MLS stadium, by far, it's a $1 billion project that's gonna have hotels, that's gonna have shopping. Uh, Ursul Azdemir is the owner of Indy 11. What does our man Ursul do? I believe he does real estate. He's a real estate developer. I see. So as in right. like most uh, new stadiums or franchises, it's it's another yes, one of these. Beauty. Yes. Beauty. An absolute beauty. But 90% privately funded, so uh, good on Indy. Let's hope it leads to something for yeah. 11 and, and beyond yeah. for many generations <laughs> of football in Indianapolis. Former Gerardo Torrado team. That's true. In the 11. Miles Robinson on Thursday. Our Major League Soccer 2023 season preview also on Thursday. Remember to check out the podcast a lot more. We'll be back. Seven family. We love you all. Go to sleep, Rafael. All of you watching, we love Let you. Let the parents sleep a little.